This is a very special episode of What Am I Doing Here? And by special, I mean half-baked. There's no script and no guest voices by Trevor Morris, my funny doorman. The episode is unrehearsed and off the cuff, like 2 million of the 2.4 million podcasts out there. This week, the only difference between me and them is that on my show, you won't hear a dog barking in the background. There's always a dog barking in other people's podcasts. Put the dog in another room. Anyway, the reason this show is so rushed is that it's about the Oscars. And frankly, I didn't see them coming. The Oscars bounce around the calendar like Jewish holidays. Sometimes they're in February, sometimes they're in August. This year, they're on Sunday, March 27, and nobody knows that because nobody cares. So why am I devoting an episode of a travel podcast to the Academy Awards? Because I've worked on the Oscars, and they are as weird as any other place I've visited. And that includes the Festival of Pakistani Goat Beheading. But before we go deep behind the scenes at the Oscars, let's talk about this year's show. This should have been an easy year for the Oscars because Hollywood only made one good movie. Spider-Man, No Way Home, or Far From Home, or Home Alone. You know the one I'm talking about. It has three Spider-Men in it. This movie was so good, it packed audiences into theaters during a pandemic. People risked their lives to see it. It should have been the sole nominee for Best Picture. And all the actors should have been nominated, too. Alfred Molina as the bad guy who turns good. Willem Dafoe as the good guy who turns bad. And Andrew Garfield as the guy who even he can't believe played Spider-Man. Instead, it wasn't nominated for Squat. Why? Because it's not the kind of film that wins Oscars. It was a sequel to a sequel to a reboot to a reboot of a comic book. Oscar-nominated films have to be more original, like Dune, a remake of a 30-year-old film, or West Side Story, a remake of a 60-year-old film, or Nightmare Alley, a remake of an 80-year-old film that wasn't even popular the first time. The original Nightmare Alley was a huge flop for Tyrone Power. Guillermo del Toro remade it with Bradley Cooper, and it flopped again. Why did it fail? Because people don't want to see their favorite actors reduced to circus geeks? Of course not. The studio said it failed because it's in color. You know, people hate color movies, said no one since 1939. So they re-released the new Nightmare Alley in black and white, and it flopped again. If you're keeping count, that's one story, two movies, and three flops. As badly as these films flopped, They still beat the next two nominees, Coda, a movie nobody saw, and Don't Look Up, a movie nobody liked. I have never met anyone who liked this movie. The combined box office gross of these two films, in round numbers, is zero. They made no money in theaters because they never were in theaters. They're TV movies. Coda is just glee with deaf people. They shouldn't be up for Oscars. They should be up for Emmys. Any idiot can win an Emmy. I've got four. Our next nominee is Belfast, Kenneth Branagh's tale of his messed up childhood. Kenneth, we know you had a messed up childhood. You're an actor. You dress up and pretend to be other people for money. Still, 
This is my favorite Oscar nominee because Belfast is fast. You're in and out of the theaters in 90 minutes. It's half as long as Drive My Car, another nominated film you didn't see. Drive My Car is a Japanese film that starts with really hot sex, then more hot sex, then a mysterious death. That's all in the first five minutes. For the next 175 minutes, nothing. Nothing happens. You watch a guy rehearse a play for three solid hours. And my friend Doug Fitch, who's a theater director, told me that's not even how you direct a play. Let's move on to King Richard, another three-hour nail-biter. Will young Venus and Serena Williams ever make it in tennis? Of course they did. We all know that. But don't you want to learn about their asshole father? Of course you don't. Still, King Richard is almost certain to win a Best Actor Oscar for Will Smith. Why? Because he wants one so bad. I have never seen a man beg for an Oscar this hard. Next year, let's just give him all the awards. The Nobel Prize in Physics. Cutest Baby. The Westminster Dog Show. And speaking of dogs, let's turn to The Power of the Dog, a film with no dogs and not much power. It's boring, but at least it's boring in the right way. Nothing happens in the first two hours, then way too much happens in the last five minutes. Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who hates gays, suddenly admits he is gay. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. We all knew he was gay because he adores a cowboy named Bronco Henry. Bronco Henry he even sounds like a gay porn star. Why not just call him Marshall Fabulous or Rex Rainbow? But that's not the end. With two minutes left in the movie, it suddenly becomes an Agatha Christie murder mystery. It happens so fast, most people don't even get it. It's like a game of Clue. It was the stepson in the stable with the whip full of anthrax. Still, The Power of the Dog is the odds-on favorite to win Best Picture. It's Hollywood's way of saying, we should have given the Oscar to Brokeback Mountain, but we didn't, so we'll give it to a bad knockoff 20 years too late. And smugness. And those are all the nominees for Best Picture of the Year. Except for Licorice Pizza. You didn't see it, I didn't mention it, and none of you noticed it was missing. The Oscars may be dull, but there is nothing boring about what goes on backstage. After the break, I'll take you on an inside tour of Hollywood's weirdest night. Hey, Josh Perillo, producer of What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese, and I wanted to ask you a very important question. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Is there something interfering with your happiness? If so, we want you to check out betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here? I have, and it is an incredibly positive and very user-friendly experience. BetterHelp assesses your needs, matches you with your own licensed professional therapist in a private online safe environment that is incredibly convenient. And the whole thing, turnaround, is less than 48 hours and you're talking to a live therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. What it is, is professional counseling done securely 
online. You can send a message to your counselor at any time. They'll get right back to you with timely, thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So if you don't want to be on camera, you don't have to be. And you do all of this without ever having to step foot once in a waiting room, which is amazing. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors, if they're if it's just not a match, you know? It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And you know what? If you if you feel like maybe you can't afford it, financial aid is available. This service is available worldwide. You're not gonna be pinned down to having to use counselors that are geographically close to you, you can find licensed professional counselors who are specializing in any number of of issues that you may need help with from depression and stress to anxiety to relationships, grief, LGBTQ matters, self-esteem, anger, and remember, anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, it's professional, it's affordable. They've got testimonials posted daily on their site. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. That's how popular and successful and effective BetterHelp.com is. I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you will get 10% off of your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com slash what am I doing here. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash what am I doing here? I always promised my wife I'd take her to the Oscars. I'd gotten her to the North Pole, North Korea. We even spent a week in North Dakota. But getting Oscar tickets was tougher. You had to be nominated to get in. You had to do something of quality. I was out of luck. Then in 2019, I got a call from the Academy Awards. They had a comedy emergency. The show was supposed to open with one of those bits where they cut Billy Crystal into the Oscar-nominated films, and he does his, I'm Jewish, isn't that funny, please love me bit. The clip package they had wasn't working, and they asked me to fix it. This was my way in. I called my wife and told her, honey, we're going to the Oscars. The producer corrected me. She's going to the Oscars. I wasn't. When you work for the show, you get one free ticket. That's it. As he walked me to my office, he added, You'll be amazed just how cheap the Oscars can be. The writer's room was in the sub-basement of the basement of the garage of the theater where the Oscars were held. It was like a scene out of a movie. Saw. And not even one of the good saws. This was Saw 4, Bride of Jigsaw. Five writers were packed into a windowless room the size of a small closet or a large coffin. It was so narrow, writers had to enter single file. If you were at the back of the room and wanted to leave, everyone else had to leave first. I know you don't believe me, so I'll post a picture of this office on Twitter. Go to at Mike Reese Writer. Then came a bright spot. Two production assistants wheeled in a trolley overflowing with gourmet food. There was three kinds of wine and four hot entrees. It took up every free inch of space in the writer's room. I asked the head writer, do they always feed you like this? He said, this is a mistake. If you don't tell anyone, maybe they'll keep doing it. 
Sure enough, we got meals like this three times a day, plus tea and cookies at 4 p.m. I'm pretty sure this food was all meant for Lady Gaga, because we were eating like kings, and all she got was bags of Quiznos subs. I set out to do the one job I was hired for, rewriting the Billy Crystal clip package. As soon as I was finished, they told me the entire thing had been cut. The head writer told me, get used to it. This happens here a lot. Sure enough, my next job was doing Whoopi Goldberg's presentation of Best Animated Film. It was fun writing for her voice and character. But the next day, they changed it from Whoopi Goldberg to Michelle Yeoh. I rewrote the whole thing from scratch. And when the awards finally aired, the presenter was Pharrell Williams. The Oscars had trouble in 2019 because they had no host. Kevin Hart had dropped out at the last minute. The show would now open with Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph, and Amy Poehler. I wrote them a sketch. Stuff like, Welcome. This is the first time the Oscars had no host since James Franco hosted. They only let us women open the show after 15 dudes turned it down. The producers threw this all out, telling me I should never mention the fact that there was no host. When the show aired, Tina, Amy, and Maya came in with their own material. It was a bunch of jokes about how the show had no host. And this became my job at the Oscars, writing comedy for comedians who came in with their own comedy. My jokes were ignored by the best people in the business. Melissa McCarthy, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Andy Samberg. It was an honor. Outside the comedians, the number one request we got from celebrities was, I don't want to be funny. Don't give me anything funny to say. <laughs> okay, sure. Why be entertaining? We got a weirder request when Jennifer Lopez and Chris Evans were presenting. Chris Evans' publicist told us we couldn't mention Captain America. <laughs> well, what else was there? That's the only thing he's famous for. We did a deep dive on Chris Evans, Wikipedia, and found out he's from Sudbury, Massachusetts. That's the most interesting thing about him. He's from Sudbury. So we gave him this joke. Hey, J-Lo, you're Jenny from the block. I'm Chris from the Sud. It took five people to come up with that joke. He didn't use it. Good for him. One of the toughest jobs on the Oscars is writing the walk-ups. This is the filler the announcer reads as the winner walks up to get their award. You know, like, Christian Bale has three nominations for Best Actor and six arrests for aggravated assault. You have no idea who's going to win, so you have to write these little factoids for every single nominee. That includes the really obscure categories, like Best Documentary Short. These are people you never heard of whose movies you never saw. Plus, they give these guys the worst seats in the house, so you have to cover their 10-minute walk up to the podium. What do you say about Rekha Zatobshi and her film about menstruation in India? Even though a billion people would be watching the Oscars, nobody listened to what we wrote. Take this speech written for Tyler Perry. Webster's Dictionary defines community as a group of people living in one place or sharing a common characteristic. Every film is its own community. So here are the nominations for best editing. What? It didn't make a lick of sense, but they put it on cue cards, Tyler Perry read it, and nobody cared. 
As for me, I wrote hours of material and only got one thing on the show. James McAvoy introducing the award for best sound mixing. I'm sure you remember it. It was a highlight of the show. Coming up after the break, Oscar night. Hey, Josh Perillo, producer of What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese? And before we continue the show, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Noom. Noom, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. So, you know, Noom is different because it understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't mean that it'll work for you. And that's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, it focuses on progress and, per and not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. It's it's an, an adjustable, I use it actually, and it has this adjustable meter where you can you can you can make progress super fast or you can take it you know a little bit slower if you want to noom noom weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge one-on-one -on -one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits 75% of noom weight users finish the program and more than 60% of the of those users uh, that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more, which is just, it's unheard of. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Back to the show. The most fun part of the Oscars was the rehearsal. The day before the ceremony, they do a complete three-hour run-through of the show with all the stars presenting awards to nobody. The celebrities who will be so beautifully dressed tomorrow were in t-shirts, shorts, and baseball caps. There is no pressure and no audience, and the stars seem to be having a ball. They should air this instead of the real Oscars. I think people would love it. The night of the Academy Awards, my wife got to walk the red carpet and sit in the audience for the show. She was in the third balcony next to short documentary director Reika Zatobshi. I got to watch the show from the green room. It was a gorgeous suite sponsored by Rolex. It felt like the bar car from the Orient Express. I wanted to take a photo, but they wouldn't let me. So instead, I went next door and took a picture of the bathroom, which seemed to be sponsored by Peter Pan bus lines. It was a brown-tiled room with a single sad toilet that every star in Hollywood had to share. About halfway through the evening, they ran out of toilet paper and no one replaced it. I know you don't believe me, so I posted a photo of the toilet on Twitter at Mike Reese Writer. I left the bathroom and found the green room was now packed wall-to-wall -wall with celebrities. I was so intimidated, I went to the bar for a drink, and the bartender was Wolfgang Puck. I'm not making that up. Everyone in the green room was a superstar, and they'd all work together on some movie or another. 
It was like a real-life game of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. They were a boisterous bunch with more than a few class clowns. Michael Keaton was being funny. Sam Rockwell was an outright nut. Even serious actors like Javier Bardem and Gary Oldman acted like the jackasses on Jackass. Everyone loved seeing everyone, and not one of them saw me. I was a non-celebrity and hence invisible to them. The only person who spoke to me all night was Miss Julia Roberts. She said, Would you move? You're blocking the TV. The 2019 Oscars were memorable for how forgettable it all was. The winner that year was Green Book, a film about racial brotherhood that has been deemed incredibly racist. The show had no host and no production numbers and still came in 20 minutes over schedule. Still, we did something right because we weren't the lowest rated Oscars in history. We were the second lowest. <coughs> Whose dog is that? I don't have a dog. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo.